Good morning. Oh, I love that. That was awesome. Welcome to First Church. Whether it is your first time here or your regular tender, we are so glad that you're here with us this morning. Um, my name is Jordan. I am the children's director here at First Church. Um, and it is our mission to lift up Christ. This month is Church Family Month, so that means we get to lift up Christ as a unified body. Our children and our teens are here with us, um, and we can just say a prayer for our nursery workers because our babies are the only ones that are missing out on the fun. Um, with that being said, if you are ages four to fifth grade, we have activity bags by Miss Rihanna. Miss Rihanna, wave your hand. So if you haven't gotten an activity bag yet, you can come down to the front and grab one of those for service. Um, those are for you. Um, but we are, we're grateful that we get to do this thing together in the month of August. It's very fun. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you um, for the examples of faithfulness that have come before us and those that will come after May we be a people known by our faithfulness and our love. Lord, we know that you are in our midst, so we invite you to move and speak as you see fit. We love you in your holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, Jordan, you are not leaving. Don't even, don't even, don't even try to leave because it is Family Church Month. And like last week, we're doing another kid song. So I'm going to need some helpers up here. Let's stand to our feet. Good morning, everybody. We're going to do some stretches. We're going to do some of these, make some houses here uh, with some football throws and stuff. If you've heard this song, maybe you know what I'm already talking about. Here we go in one, two, three, four. I don't know where you lay your head or where you call your home. I don't know where you eat your meals or where you talk on the phone. I don't know if you got a cook, a butler, or a maid. I don't know if you got a yard with a hammock in the shade. Got some shelter, safe place to hide. I don't know if you live with friends in whom you can confide. I don't know if you got a family, same mom or dad. I don't know if you feel love at all, but I bet you wish you had. So come and go with me to my father's. 
Connie this morning to read our call to worship scripture reading. Good morning. A reading from Psalm 50. The mighty one, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to where it sets. From Zion, perfect in beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes and will not be silent. A fire devours before him, and around him a tempest rages. He summons the heavens above and the earth that he may judge his people. Gather to me this consecrated people who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. And the heavens proclaim his righteousness, for he is a God of justice. Thanks be to God. We sing to our God of cre- our God of creation, our God of justice this day. Would you join and sing with me? Unstoppable God, let your glory go on and on. Impossible things in your name they shall be done. Unstoppable, unstoppable God, let your glory go on and on. Impossible things in your name, they shall be done. Let's clap our hands this morning for the joy of our Lord is with us. And heaven thundered. The world was born. Life begins and ends in the dust you fall. Faith commanded, and the mountains move. Fear is losing ground to our hope in you. Unstoppable God, let your glory go. Triumph when the third day dawn. 
finish your restoration in us, Lord, and through your creation. We sing with faith this morning. Nothing shall be impossible. Your kingdom reigns unstoppable. We'll shout your praise forevermore. Jesus, our God, unstoppable. Nothing shall be impossible. Your kingdom reigns unstoppable. We'll shout your praise forevermore. Jesus, our confidence is morning. Nothing shall be impossible. Your kingdom reigns unstoppable. We'll shout your praise forevermore. Jesus, our God, unstoppable. as we continue in our worship. Great creator and redeemer of life, we, your people, have come to bow down before you to give you praise and adoration for the creation that you have created is good. And we stand here, sit here, we present ourselves to you, Lord, in a way that we hope can serve you more in a way that we can be living sacrifices for your will, God. And we thank you that you entrust us with this will to restore justice and to give love and peace to others, Lord. We thank you that you trust us with this, but you do not leave us alone with this, God. You have empowered us and you have your spirit moving in this space as we speak and as we breathe now. So Lord, we meditate on your nearness, God. We come now with confidence, Lord, knowing that you are with us, that you are moving and transforming and renewing us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you sit and meditate in that this day, that the Lord is with you. Keep light in the darkness, my God. 
stand together and sing this next part with confidence and faith and hope of our God. faithfully sustaining us in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray and sing, amen. Now I know that usually on any other Sunday we'd be dismissing our children with a children's dismissal prayer. Even though we're not dismissing our children, we want our prayer to remain the same as we are praying for the formation of our children through this church. So would you join me in praying this prayer from Philippians 1. This is my prayer for you our children, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best. May you be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Amen. And before we are seated once again, let's take the time right now to pass a piece of Christ to one another today.
Hello. As you make your way back to your seats, I just have a few announcements, announcements, announcements. Just thought I'd give you a little, I wrote that, totally. Um, okay, first and foremost, if you haven't already checked in, just go ahead and scan the QR code on your bulletin. We might be up on the screen, there it is. You can go ahead and just fill in that check-in form so that we know that you're here. We'd love to, we'd love to know that. All right, next, next up. Next week, summer celebration is happening at Crown Point, our annual Beach Church Day. Woo woo! I'm excited. Um, but if you show up here, you'll be the only one. So don't come. Um, please, if you do, there will be here, people here that will direct you to Crown Point. Um, but it's at 1030, Crown Point. Bring a chair or a picnic blanket. We'll have some pop-up shade. We'll also have some chairs out there. So if you don't have a chair to bring. Don't stress. We got you. Um, and then after service at Crown Point, we'll have lawn games and tacos. Very important. Um, starting in September, we have our Wednesday night programming, which will begin. It's usually 6.30 to 8 on Wednesday evenings. We are doing our best to have uh, Wednesday night dinners again. So very excited about that. We'll also have our adult university and our adult choir with not with, but also we'll have our children's choir, my personal favorite Wednesday night activity. And that is for uh, kids pre-K through sixth grade. Sixth graders actually get the option of choosing whether or not they want to do the musical or move up into youth group, which will also be happening on Wednesday nights for sixth to 12th graders. There you go. Wednesday night programming. But speaking of Wednesday night dinners, very important. We need your help to pull those off. So we're looking for five to six volunteers per Wednesday, but hear me out. It is one Wednesday a month for three months. Very doable, not all day, just a few hours. I believe in all of you. So if you feel like you might want to volunteer, very easy, we, we will, there'll be a team lead and you just show up and help them set up, help them facilitate that meal one Wednesday night a month for three months. And then if you really like it, you can come back and do it in spring for the next three months, okay? Do it. Do it. Okay. <laughs> Very good. I can't wait to hear about all the responses we're going to get. Racing to volunteer. Um, okay. And last but not least, um, nursery volunteers. We are in a great need for our 9 a.m. Uh, Sunday school hour. We have um, volunteers for that. We would love to have you. If you are nervous about it or you have questions, you're a little unsure, come talk to Jordan or I. We are happy to answer your questions. We will also be having a nursery orientation on August 31st following service for like a half hour. So we will give you all the information you need. We're not gonna send you in there blindly, but we need you, we really do. That's it from me, but now I'm going to invite up Matt and Dave for an interview. Bye. Thanks so, oh, there we go. Thanks so much, Rihanna. Uh, I've invited Dave James up here this morning. Many of you may know Dave. He's been around for a while. But Forever. Some, some of you may not. So this, I think this is a really important time to just set aside maybe some uh, assumptions and get to know each other a little bit more. You've been around, but we want to know more about you. So Dave, tell us a little bit about yourself, what family looks like, what vocation looks like, even though you may have just done a fun little transition. <laughs> but tell us a little bit about yourself. Great. Thanks, Matt. Um, as you, many of you know, Shelly and I met here on this campus 
um, when we were in college. We got married in this church before it moved here, 40, almost 43 years ago now. And uh, Shelly has been in the children's ministry, and I've tried to do my best to play second fiddle in that and uh, do as whatever else, whatever else I needed what, or needed to be done. Um, so basically, we've raised our kids here, um, and, and it's been a great community for us. And if you're new to this church, just know that this is where you need to be. So um, that's, how, that's how I got here. Uh, my vocation, I started um, right after we got married with a company, a, build, a large building, a home building company here, and uh, just retired in June after 40 years of service there. <laughs> Although the company name changed three times, um, I was still there as one of the foundational members. So uh, I withstood all of the storms and the ups and downs, as, as you know, of the housing industry. And so um, had a great career. And now I am officially retired. Well, almost officially retired. I guess I am retired, but they still have me on retainer part-time. <laughs> Uh, it took two people to take my job, and they're still having problems, but they'll get there. <laughs> they'll get there. I don't know if that says something about the company or just how amazing mm. you are. I'm just going to go with that, how amazing you are. <laughs> you just yeah. recently uh, came back from some time abroad. I would love for you to tell us about your time uh, in South Africa. Great. Uh, I love to do that. So one of my passions, as many of you know, is uh, mission trips. And um, we, um, we've taken some here within the church. Many of you have, I've had the opportunity of, with many of you to go to all over the world. And uh, this last uh, few weeks ago, we went um, with, I partnered with a group called Amor. Um, Shelly was interim children's pastor at Mission Church uh, for six months. And while we were there, I met the vice president of Amor, uh, global Ministries, and we started talking, and he got my ear, and he said, hey, um, I said, wow, tell me more about this, so he said, hey, I, we, you know, we do trips, but we haven't been anywhere because of COVID, I'm trying to get South Africa back up and going, um, and there may be an opportunity, and I said, I'm in, so he called me and said that there's two groups coming at the same time. He couldn't oversee both of them. Could you come help out? So I flew out there and met a, gr a group of ladies, which you saw already go by in the screen. Um, they're from the United States and more. They're called the Women of Strength. And it's a group that uh, helps, um, raises money. They also started building this first house. Um, they got all the walls up. It was just amazing. So I kind of dovetailed in with them towards the end, and then met a group of teenagers from the UK, Scotland, and Northern Ireland, which their English is a lot different than my English. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but we had a great time, uh, about 65 kids and their sponsors, and we actually built two houses. Um, and the way that they do it, it's just amazing. They're, they have a system that's together that actually you can build a house in four days. It's just incredible. 
Um, and everybody just jumped in and helped. That's a finished house right there. Um, and the family, so the families that are chosen by the pastors and a committee that is local on staff. Amor also has local staff people there. And uh, they, like this, this family here, uh, the two sisters, they, they lost their parents in 2005. Um, and they basically were on their own and living in the poorest conditions. The other family that went by already, their parents also died uh, 2005, 2010. At the time, the son was 15 years old, became head of household, and had to raise his siblings. Um, and when they came to interview this, this family, they were living in such poor conditions that it was raining, and it was raining inside the house almost as hard as it was raining outside the house. So this gives them an opportunity to get a leg up. The average um, income is $25 a month there. So, uh, you know, having a, a $9,000 is about the average cost of one of these homes. That would be out of their life. Um, but while we were there, we were also able to, uh, they raised money uh, throughout the organization. Um, we dedicated a library. Um, as you probably saw go by, out of a shipping container. Um, it's just amazing what this, what this organization does, and we were able to do that. We also went to a high school of 1,500 kids, um, a middle school and high school. We played soccer, well, not me personally, but the kids played soccer. Um, and then we were able to donate to the varsity and junior varsity team their school-colored uniforms. They'd never had uniforms before. And so giving them identity is uh, just something that is just beyond uh, explanation. So as you can see, there's the, that's how many kids were watching the soccer game. It was just lined up all around the whole field. Um, we had a terrible disadvantage because it was all dirt. We couldn't get any traction anywhere, but we still won. So, you know, there you go. Um, so we ended it with a uh, safari tour, as you saw some of the animals. Um, we, we were in the cages and the animals ran free. So um, that was a good thing. So that's what we did. That's awesome, amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. One of the things that I like to ask those I interview is in this most recent season of your walk with Christ, whether that be the last week or the last few years, uh, what is something that you have been either learning or lamenting or celebrating in your journey with Christ? I'm learning now that as I, as I have just retired, kind of like, okay, I kind of know what the next steps are, meaning I have plans, but God has plans as well. And trying to figure out now how to listen closely, more closely, to what God has to say, so that my ideas don't take precedence, that I can sit back and listen and not be so anxious to just jump on to the next thing, um, even though it might be a good thing, but just to take some time and, and you know, reflect and listen. Um, one of the things that was taught during this camp is that Jesus died for us and won the victory, but there's still battles going on. And those battles happen to us every day. 
and we're always in some kind of struggle. And sometimes we just have to stop and understand victory's already won. And that's what I need to do in my life. Thank you so much, Dave. Thank you yep. so much. At this time, I'd like to invite Brandon up to read our scripture for this morning. Good morning, church. I'll be reading from Hebrews chapter 11, 29 through 12, 2. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptian tried to do, Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of, of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. The word of the Lord. As always, it's a privilege to lead us further into that word, that passage. Before we dig a little bit deeper in that, it's also a privilege to lead us in a time of prayer. And I invite you in these moments to allow your spirit to begin to focus on how God might lead you in prayer this morning. There are a couple of things that I'd like to add in terms of instructions this last Sunday during Morning Tide, I suggested then and I suggest again this morning that you might consider how you might engage your body in prayer. By that I mean, if you choose to stay seated, then allow the posture of seating to be symbolic for whatever it is that you might be in in your spiritual journey, a, a place of peace or relaxation, 
may be a standing out of reverence. It might be kneeling um, out of an honor of the Lordship of Christ. It might be that while you're seated, you simply just place your hands, palms up in front of you, ready to receive whatever God might give you. Or you might decide to have your palms down saying, God, I brought so much with me into the service this morning. I want to surrender it all to you. Might be that you leave your eyes open. Might be that they're closed. I just want you to realize that the spirit that God has given us has been placed in this vessel that becomes sacred because it's filled with your spirit and God's spirit. Allow it to be part of your prayer time this morning. I would like us in just a few moments to say the Lord's Prayer together. I actually, during that time, would encourage you to keep your eyes open. We're talking about what it means to be in a community of faith with a great cloud of witnesses. When we pray that prayer, we use pronouns that are collective in nature. It's a prayer about us together. Then there'll be a few moments of silence. It's not that the world around us will be silent. We've got all kinds of things that may happen. Somebody's phone may go off. Our kids may be deciding that that's the perfect time to go down the aisle and talk to somebody else. There may be some noise outside that comes through the doors. The world doesn't go silent. But for a few moments, we do. And say, God, help me to be sensitive to the noises of my world and how my silence draws me into what you are doing. After a few moments of silence, Justin and Kay will draw us out of silence in a song of praise. And the invitation then at the close of that song is to invite us to join with them in praise. So, I invite you into this time of prayer by saying together, if you remember it, and if you don't, just listen, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. A few moments of silent prayer together. Praises, praises, oh sweet. 
this church. Come on, sing it. Thank you for the prayer time together. Um, before we jump into this passage in Hebrews, I just want to uh, point out that prior to the friendship passing the peace time, the Sawyers and the Williams were right here and were worried that somehow that would be problematic for me, so they've moved here, so I think I'm going to do my sermon from right here this morning. and. Hope this is okay. Great. So, Hebrews 11, (laughs) beginning in verse 29, we have an interesting passage that um, 
starts us in a storyline. To kind of get us into that storyline, let me acknowledge um, that sometimes we have people that raise up in terms of leadership seemingly out of the blue. I'm thinking of a group, a large group, out of which came a, a leader that was kind of unlikely in so many respects. And then in other ways you go, well, yeah, it makes sense how they rose so quickly and became popular so fast. There was one such leader that um, with, without much background with the group he was trying to be a spokesperson for or on the behalf, um, went to the ones in power, the particular one in power, and was bold and spoke demands that seemed like they could get him imprisoned or killed. This progresses over time. The interface between these two got uh, more and more tense, more and more escalated, but his persistence, his spirit, his attitude, resulted in being instructed to just go lead your people and I'm not going to stop you. So he and his brother and his sister, this family group, gathered together with all of those who were part of his family tribe and decided to leave where they were. And it was a large group of people, and I'm not sure they thought through all of the logistics of what it took, but they left and had in their thought and mind a destination where they were going, but this leader, instead of taking them the shortest route, took them through the desert, then backtracked, then encamped in a place that could handle them in terms of size, but maybe not in terms of all of their needs and resources that they lacked. And it was in this spot that they were in many ways kind of trapped. Trapped because of the geographical setting. Trapped because of where they had come from. Trapped because they were backed up in a place that they couldn't escape when those who had far more powerful armies, weapons, and people came. In this moment, when all seemed hopeless, Moses raises his arms, and the waters of the Sea of Reeds, the Red Sea, begins to part. I have no idea how. I, I don't know if it was one of those wind funnels that just came down and started pushing waters apart. I don't know if somewhere along in there, there are tectonic plates that shifted and all the water got swept away for a period of time. All I know is that this mass of humanity crosses a place that was once covered in water and they walk through as if it's on dry land. 
They make it to the other side. Those who are pursuing them try to follow. And the waters come back. And the pathway is impassable. This is where the passage begins, where it says in 1129, by faith, the Israelites passed across the sea as if on dry land. This is in the midst of this chapter that talks about all kinds of people of faith, and they're saying, by faith, I'm going to give you some examples. By faith, this group of people passed through the Red Sea. What's a little startling about 1129 is chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. Because in chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, we are told that none of this generation made it to the promised land because God was frustrated with their disobedience. So the same people that in chapter 3, 18 and 19 are described as people disobedient, now we come to chapter 11 and the writer says, by faith, let me give you an example. So I'm not sure if the writer is talking about the faith of Moses, the faith of all the people, the faith of some and others tagged along. So I read on, as you heard, and we start hearing of some other people. We hear of Rahab, we hear of Barak and Gideon, we hear of Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets. So let's be clear, among this group, we have a judge, a king, a prophet, a commander. We also have murderer, an adulterer, a prostitute, a liar. So once again, we have this interesting mixture that the writer is putting together in trying to talk to us about faith. And the writer goes a step further and says, these people, they routed armies, they conquered kingdoms, they shut the mouth of lions, they quenched fires, they defeated the sword, And then it also goes on to say, and they were enchained, and they were imprisoned, and they were cut in two, and they were jeered, and they were flogged, and they were mocked. So right when we're about ready to have this wonderful stereotype of what champions of the faith look like, somehow the writer just turns it upside down on us. One of the lessons, I don't know, maybe that it's, it's not a promise that everything goes wonderfully well when we put our faith in Christ. So faith means something more than what my life looks like in terms of its cultural successes or its um, accomplishments. And it seems like those things are honored here as wonderful things, 
But don't think that that's the natural consequence of every act of faith. Faith is this connection to the promise of what is yet to come and the muddiness of what is right now. It is holding those two simultaneously and allowing the belief to propel me into the future while immediately dealing with the circumstances around me, whatever they might be. And so then we come to verse 40 at the very end of this chapter. And verse 40 speaks to us about this community that's been described over the ages and us. It it says that many of these, all of these, didn't receive the fulfillment of the promise that was given, but instead, God had something better in mind so that together with us, we will be made perfect, all of us. So, pre-flood, post-flood, flood, pre-walking through the Red Sea, escape from slavery, post through the Red Sea, pre-Christ, post-Christ, this Christian moment described by the writer of Hebrews says that together with us, we might receive the fulfillment of the promise. Wow! This is amazing. I first came across the line at the end of an email that came from our children's pastor, Jordan Pitkin. I have since seen it on emails that I get from AJ, I'm guessing this is a family theme of some sort. It's a postscript on all of their emails. I now have come to realize that it also sits on a bulletin board that's between the office of Rihanna and the office of Jordan. The influence is expanding, and I've recognized that you have something that comes on your radar screen often enough, you ought to start paying attention to it. And it's the two-word phrase, better together. Better together. What a great line. I I don't know about all of the story background for um, both AJ and Jordan, though I do know a little bit of the story that some of that arises out of. The contrast between infighting within Christian community and embracing and loving within Christian community. And the contrast between those two, and that's a paraphrase that's probably not fair to place on either one of you, but is the notion of what it means to live into the the idea of better together. But that's what this passage is about. That God had in mind something better so that together with them we might be made perfect. How wonderfully exciting. So then it steps into chapter 12, and it's a shame that there's a chapter break. It really 
messes up the thought process here, so let's just pretend there isn't. I'm just going to say the next verse that just happens to be 12.1. Since we've been surrounded with such a great cloud of witnesses, and let me make a comment. If you didn't pick up this contrast of those who have questionable histories and those who have accomplished great things and those whose current circumstances are very rough, the notion is that faith is not seen in the current circumstances, but faith is seen in the fruit of somebody's life in the midst of whatever circumstances they're facing. There are some wonderful people who have great successes, and part of what makes them faithful is how they respond to success. Some incredible examples of how to use power well, how to use resources well, There are some others who have enormous success, but the fruit of their life exemplifies something that is very different than better together. Then fix your eyes on Jesus. There are some people whose circumstances, boy, facing tough trials, and in the midst of those trials, the way in which they live their life, I just want to say, oh God, help me to come close to that person that caregiver, that person who is ready at a phone call to be present with somebody else, that individual who has given of the resources in ways that nobody knows because the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. Oh God, help me to learn from the community of faith that surrounds me. I get to learn from those who have gone before, but I also get to learn from you. And I'm better for it. I'm different because of you. Because of when I see Christ living through you, how can I not but say, oh God, thanks for making an appearance. I just got to see you. And those with whom I live and worship and do life together. So it says, let us throw off the uh, things that slow us down, those that in- things that entangle us. Let us get rid of the sins that so easily beset and run the race with perseverance. I read that and I wonder, does the writer have a particular sin in mind? Because I think it's singular. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily besets. So is there like, like one in particular that the writer has in mind? Or is the writer smart enough to know that there's one in particular for each one of us that is the one that often trips us up, whatever that might be? Maybe. Or maybe it's the sin that's referenced in other places where it speaks of blaspheming the Holy Spirit and it seems to be implying attributing to Satan those things that are actually of God. Maybe that's what the reference is. I've mentioned this before. It's certainly not original with me. I've heard it and held on to it. That when we look at the testimony of Scripture, that all sin can be wrapped up in two big ideas, and that is idolatry and injustice. I start trying to think of all of the sins that I can enumerate. 
And I keep finding that those are pretty great categories. <laughs> and just so you know, that's not the end of the idea because the response to both of those is equally as simple. Idolatry, love God. Injustice, love others. For this sums up the law and the prophets. I just bought a new children's book. I'm not going to read it today. But I have had my eye on it for about three or four years. Finally decided to spring for the six bucks and buy the thing. So <laughs> the title of it, though, is my favorite. And the book's actually wonderful. Quantum Physics for Babies. <laughs> it's a wonderful scientist who um, has children and tries to take these complicated ideas and give a simple explanation that even a child could understand. And I don't fully understand quantum physics, and so I bought the book, and it's been very helpful. So I recommend it for those of you. That's sometimes what we need, is somebody to just say, okay, there's a lot that we can talk about and parse and think through, but let's not forget how simple this is. There's idolatry in all kinds of forms, there's injustice in all kinds of forms. Love God will move you in the direction that God is calling us. Love others is the outplay of what it means to love God. Religion for babies. I need that sometimes. The sin that so easily entangles. I just hope we all ask the question, what is that for me? What is it that trips me up? Because the writer provides such an amazing solution. The next verse, verse two. So fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. I, I love the metaphor here of running, running a race. It's probably making an allusion, at least in some part, to some of the athletic contests and games that would be familiar to some in that day. One of the longer races um, was actually, I'm told, somewhat of a team sport in that a team would run against other running teams long distances, and the captain of the team that would typically finish first would turn around and wait for the others and cheer them on. This expands it and says that there's a great cloud of witnesses that have completed the race completed the race and are cheering you on. The notion, though, is don't fix your eyes on any of the people that I've listed. Fix your eyes on Jesus. I've given you some great examples, but it's not so that you live your life to be like them. It's to live your life like Jesus intended you to live your life, so fix your eyes on Jesus to live that way that you've been created. And at the finish is the great cloud of witnesses cheering you on. And if we are better together, then that means that there are a great cloud of witnesses seated beside you this morning that are cheering you on. So let's be cheerleaders. Let's be encouragers. Let's make a difference. I, I do want to say, I've put this up here, which seems like a very strange picture, given this running the race. 
People in a maze, the better together. Yeah, that fits, but why a maze? I just want to confess that though I like the long-distance marathon running idea, I'm just saying for my journey, there are times when that has felt unlike how my life has unfolded. And when I read Hebrews 11, I find it interesting that that race that has a starting point and an end point is the metaphor that's used. I love the notion of the great cloud of witnesses, but I feel like sometimes the journey of faith feels a bit like a maze where I go down one pathway and it seems like it's blocked off. I then find a new opening and I walk through that opening and see where it might take me. And I know there's an end point, a destination that I'm trying to find. I don't always see it because sometimes the cloud is the cloud of where I am supposed to get. And yet I find through scripture that Jesus walks with me every step of the way and nothing is wasted. So what often to me feels like a maze with dead ends and stops and starts and new openings is somehow translated by faith into something that goes from where I am to where Christ has called me to be. Both the end point and the pathway are important. And as I walk through something that sometimes feels like the circumstances don't line up with my hope, that if I have my eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith, that that pathway is moving constantly where God is taking me to not only a destiny, but a pathway that does it together in love with you. For God had in mind something better that together with us, we might be made perfect in faith. Thanks be to God. I'm going to ask Phil and Lisa to come. A song that I think has some bluegrass roots to it. A song that um, some of you may know called uh, Goodbye Home Goodbye. As they play this song, though, I hope you will look at the screens. And the last three verses of this passage, may you hear them fresh. May you read them new. May they lead you to a place where your faith is nurtured in such a way that we leave this place prepared to be part of ushering in the kingdom of God wherever God takes us.
Thank you. It retains some of those bluegrass roots. Nicely done. A couple things before I offer a benediction for us this morning. Um, the first is that, um, just a reminder, next week we're going to be at Crown Point. I hope you come and join us. It's just a fun time. We'll get as many umbrellas out there as we can get, tent coverings, those kinds of things. I hope you can come join us. The second thing is that I know in offering a message of Better Together, that it's possible to come into a gathering like this week after week and to hear that and still feel all alone. I don't want that to be. If that is your experience in any fashion, please be persistent, reach out to me, to some of the staff, help us to help be better together. We certainly don't want that to be the experience of someone to gather in this place and to feel like your journey is still alone. Whether it's to hear your story, get you connected in some way, and if we've failed in doing that in the course of the last year, please keep trying. Give us another shot. This is a place where we want the kingdom of heaven to flow and the peace and joy and love not only be in us, but flow through us. So to that end, I pray God's blessing on you, God's peace in your heart, God's love in your life, overflowing so much that it's impossible not to allow it to pour out into others. May God give you generously of all that you need to live this week in the fullness of God's spirit with your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Go in God's peace. God bless you.